Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. That's right, everyone. It is the Sanders Facts Podcast, the most factual podcast in the world, of course. Welcome, everyone. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander, episode 22. And we got a big show this week, of course, Wednesday, June 30th. Thank you all for listening. And remember, if you want to support the Xander's Facts podcast, if you like the facts, facts, then remember to click that follow button, download, rate, review, type some stuff, and then go on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the social medias, at Xander's Facts. It's Xander with a Z. And... Most importantly, remember to spread the facts. Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends. I don't even care what you're doing. Just tell them all. Xander's Facts Podcast. I don't even know. Any situations. Whatever. Xander's Facts Podcast. And remember, if you haven't listened to any of our past episodes, you might want to. Because Xander's Facts Podcast. I said Hillbilly is going to be on this week. Not true. Next week, he's actually going to be on. We're going to do finals preview plus NBA draft lottery so if you're tuning in for a little bit i'm sorry loser but he's gonna be on next week because this week we're going to focus on one topic and one topic only and it has to do with everyone's favorite i know politics all right huh specifically the latest on the infrastructure bill we're weeks months probably I'm saying on this podcast, we're going to get to infrastructure. We're going to get to infrastructure. Well, guess what? We're here. Because on Thursday, last week, on Thursday, June 24th, I guess it was, the president announced that the White House and a bipartisan group of senators had reached an agreement finally on infrastructure. It took them weeks, months, not years. It took them a while. But they finally got there. And we've been promising we're going to go into the infrastructure bill on this podcast. Well, guess what? This week, today is the day. Get ready. It's happening here on the Xander's Facts Podcast. Let's get started here with infrastructure. Because as I said, the deal has been reached. We finally know what's going to be inside of this bill specifically if it doesn't fall apart. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Because there have been multiple near falling outs, including one that happened after the deal was made. We'll talk about all that. But first, let's take a look at the bill. It's the final bill would cost $1.2 trillion, which is less than what the president proposed back in March. His was $2.1 trillion, I believe. And the Republicans... Their first proposal was around 600, 700 million around that area. So they kind of met in the middle here, which is pretty amazing, <laughs> to say the least. But they did. And so we can finally take a look at what's inside of the bill. Here it comes! The president's proposal back in March was $2 trillion, And that included physical infrastructure, roads, bridges, broadband, all that stuff. But it also included what Democrats like to call human infrastructure. What is human infrastructure? We'll get to that because it's not in the bill that was just agreed to on a bipartisan basis. 
Democrats are now focusing on a separate bill, a separate spending bill, that would focus on those issues and more, which we will also talk about. But first, this bipartisan bill focuses mostly on physical infrastructure. What is physical infrastructure? Roads, bridges, all that stuff. It comes with a price tag of $1.2 trillion over eight years with $579 billion in new spending. That's a big fact. And this is all according to NPR National Public Radio and the White House fact sheet for the infrastructure deal. So within that $579 billion for new spending, $312 billion of that would go to transportation. Within transportation... $109 billion would go towards roads, bridges, and major projects, like highways. Because, let me tell you something. The roads, a bunch of them in this country, are a mess. Bridges are falling apart all over the place. I saw a couple weeks ago, maybe it was just a week ago, in D.C., a truck was going, or it was too tall, and it hit a pedestrian bridge, and the pedestrian bridge collapsed in like downtown dc it was pretty crazy it was pretty bad but i don't think anybody died so that was pretty good there are bridges falling apart all over the place i think over the mississippi river near st louis there's another one it's pretty bad infrastructure and you take a just take a look at the miami condo building that just collapsed like it was 40 years old it was deteriorating rapidly apparently Because of, well, it was right on the ocean, so, you know, climate change too, but, you know. That was rough. Also in that transportation is $66 billion for passenger and freight rail with $49 billion for public transit. Public transit, buses, taxis, whatever, trolleys, I don't know, subways. Passenger and freight rail, mostly railroads, those big railroads, and Amtrak. Ever heard of Amtrak? We'll actually get into that because there's also the White House laid out goals for the bill as well as how it's going to be paid. So we're also going to get into that in a second. But first, let's finish off what's in transportation. So $20 billion would go to financing for this infrastructure. $16 billion would be for ports and waterways, boats, ships. $25 billion for airports because airports might need upgrading too. Seven and a half billion for electric vehicles as well as another seven and a half billion for electric buses and transit. I'll get into that more in a second. Eleven billion dollars for safety upgrades and one billion dollars for what they're calling reconnecting communities. Uh, don't even ask me. Slow down, buddy. Also in the bill though, in that five hundred seventy nine billion of new spending is two hundred sixty six billion for what they're calling other infrastructure. Within that $73 billion would go for power upgrades, including an all-new grid authority. Remember what happened in Texas? We talked about it on this podcast, like the third episode. Remember what happened this winter in Texas when it got so cold and the power grid froze and their governor blamed the Green New Deal, even though that doesn't make any sense because the Green New Deal isn't even anything that's been enacted anywhere, like, especially in Texas. I don't... Ugh. It doesn't make any sense. $65 billion, though would go towards broadband, which is internet. Here comes a fact. Because, all right, here's the thing. 
with broadband because there's a lot of people, mostly in rural areas, who really don't have high-speed internet access. They may have internet access like DSL, which is two or three megabytes per second, and it's terrible, and you can't load anything. And then some areas only have one option, and that option may be Comcast or Charter Spectrum or Cox. And when they only have one option, those companies have a monopoly. And when they have a monopoly, they can charge these huge high prices on people, and they can impose data caps. So if you use a terabyte of data a month, and the month's not over, then they slow your data speeds. And for a Wi-Fi at your house! Like, it's kind of ridiculous. Get that out of here! So this bill would specifically try to increase funding for fiber broadband. Fiber is the newest technology which allows for the fastest speeds at the lowest cost. There are a bunch of localities which have instituted municipal broadband. So the locality, the county, the city, the town, they install a fiber network in their area and usually it's a lot cheaper than Comcast or Charter Spectrum, which are cable. They don't really do a lot of fiber. And fiber is faster than cable lines because cable lines go to the TV too. So uh, a little rant there. We'll actually talk about that more. Huh. Also in that other infrastructure is $47 billion for resilience spending, you know, safety upgrades, Natural weather disasters, we'll talk about that more. $21 billion for environmental remediation and $5 billion for Western water storage droughts in the West. I saw on Monday that Seattle got up to 105 degrees and it was like an all-time record. That's insane. Seattle in the Pacific Northwest, they had apparently... In British Columbia, in Canada, they had their highest temperature ever in Canada recorded a couple days ago. It was like 116. It's insane. And also that story where the Hoover Dam, so Lake Mead is the lake that was created by the Hoover Dam. That lake is at its lowest water level since the dam was created. So now they're losing water. A lot of it is because that lake is relied on by too many people. And so it's going to continue to lose water. But it's also because they haven't had a lot of rain recently. It's been hot and dry in the West. And fire season's coming up too. So that's not going to be good either. That's all that's in that other infrastructure. So I kind of went off into little tangents on each one. But the goals of the bill... The White House outlined several goals for what the plan is going to enact. So here's what they say it's going to do. So they say the plan's going to improve healthy and sustainable transportation options for millions of Americans by modernizing and expanding transit and rail networks while reducing greenhouse gas emissions. That can be local transit, taking the bus, electric 
buses, we'll talk about that. It would also be the largest federal investment in passenger rail, Amtrak, since the creation of Amtrak, and it would be the largest federal investment in public transit in the history of the United States. How about that? On EVs, the goal of the plan is to build a national network of electric vehicle charging stations along highways and in rural communities, hoping to accomplish the president's goal of building 500,000 electric vehicle chargers in his first term. There are still, there's already a lot of electric vehicle chargers. I know in the town that I live in, there's one, there's a Tesla supercharger at a Sheets, but in a lot of places, there's not very many. And you kind of need some for these electric vehicles. Hopefully, by the time electric vehicles become what is the mainstream, because they're still kind of early, I'd say. They really don't take up a large percentage of the population of automobiles in the U.S., but hopefully, in a, and this will help, electric vehicle chargers will be placed at almost every gas station. They'll be populated more than gas stations because you just need electricity. You don't need to go, like in a gas station, you need to go down and dig so you can have a tank full of gas. You don't need to do that with chargers. You can just connect them to electricity. It's the truth. So it's easier to put them in. It's probably a lot cheaper to put them in. They're going in at a lot of gas stations like Sheets and Walmarts right now. And also, with electric vehicle chargers, you can install one in your home, in your garage. What does this mean? And apparently, according to a lot of people who have done this, the cost, so the increase on your electric bill, has not been seen as really crazy or out there or barely noticeable. For some people. So that's a good thing. You can charge your car in your home so that you can go home at the end of the day. Your vehicle is almost 0%. You wake up, you turn on your car, it's at 100%. Too many facts. I mean, advantage of electric vehicles too. But the disadvantage is that there's not as many charging stations as there are gas stations. And especially when you go out to rural areas, especially in the middle of the country... They're sparsely populated, which means that people need to plan their trips differently. And because they're sparsely populated, all the people with electric vehicles are going to take up all the charging stations, which costs more time. Because it does, it does take longer to charge your vehicle with a supercharger or whatever than pumping gasoline. But it doesn't take hours. You could be done in half an hour at maximum. So... They're pretty easy, and with the new technology, the batteries are just going to, you know, go longer ranges, and it's going to take less time, because we're still developing this technology. It's going to take years, but it's coming up there. Here it comes! So, definitely with electric vehicles. That's a good thing. I talked about school buses. Another goal of the bill is to electrify thousands of school and transit buses to reduce emissions and increase domestic manufacturing of zero emission vehicles. Increase domestic manufacturing, which would create jobs in the United States. This bill is going to create a ton of jobs. It's a fact. Building EV chargers, 
increasing transportation options, producing electric vehicles in the United States, working on roads and bridges. Like, it's going to create a ton of jobs. And that's what really has signed on Republicans to this bill. And a lot of them are touting it right now. Senators, Republican senators like Rob Portman of Ohio, Susan Collins of Maine, Mitt Romney of Utah, all of them are talking about this bill is going to create a ton of jobs. And there's still a ton of job openings in the U.S. They're going to be good paying jobs, not minimum wage jobs, which people cannot live off of. And that's why people are not going back to work, because they can get more money from the government, because they're actually getting living wages from the government. That's a whole... That's a whole other story. The bill would also, here's another goal, repair and rebuild roads and bridges to focus on climate change migration. Cities like, coastal cities, especially like Miami, you can increase their resilience for climate change, flooding. In Miami, they get flooding in the daytime when it there's not a cloud in the sky. Like, it's not getting better there especially in a lot of other coastal cities. You can, they're also focusing on equity and safety. It would be the largest investment in bridges since the construction of the interstate highway system. Now, let me tell you something about the interstate highway system because I read this a couple weeks ago. Hold on a second. In the 50s, when Dwight Eisenhower was president, he was the one who signed on to create the interstate highway system. It's the Eisenhower highway system. But, and we all talk about how, you know, the interstate highway system advanced this country into the next century. Because in World War II, Eisenhower fought in Germany and he saw the Autobahn, which is one of the world's marvels of road transportation and he said we need something like that here and they were transporting a lot of military equipment on the autobahn and so that's really what the interstate highway system was developed to do was to help the military go across the country you know better than taking all the rural roads but it has evolved into where we as normal citizens of the u.s take the interstate highway system every day And when they built it, because it was the 50s, they built it, they built the interstates, a lot of them, through inner cities. And when that happened, it caused a lot of what they call white flight. When the white Americans who lived in the inner cities moved out to the suburbs. And a lot of that happened after World War II, and it continued into the 60s. And it divided these neighborhoods in half. Like, the article I read a couple months ago was about Syracuse, how Interstate 81 literally cuts through an inner-city neighborhood in Syracuse, and now it has one of the highest crime rates, one of the highest poverty rates in the area. It's not a nice place to live. Like, these interstate, and a lot of them were built to divide white and black neighborhoods to increase segregation. So the interstate highway system, it's got got a lot of flaws. 
but it's still a great way to travel across the country. Disturbing. A big thing they're talking about now, especially as I read in Syracuse, is they're trying to get rid of these interstate highways in their inner cities. Places like Houston, which have these highways that go 10 lanes on each side, continue to take away land, housing opportunities. Like, it's not good at all. Terrible. So, while this would be the largest investment in bridges since the construction of the interstate highway system, a lot of that, what they're going to be researching and developing is where are we going to place these roads? Are we going to take them out of the inner cities so that we can help, I guess the word is gentrify, gentrify these neighborhoods. And a lot of people, they see, oh, gentrification, it's not good. But in these inner cities, it probably is because a lot... A lot of these areas in inner cities are poor. They're full of crime. It's not, you know. And the interstate highway system is just one piece of that. That's what a lot of it has to do with, the construction of the interstate highway system. That's cool. I don't know why I went on that rant. I just saw interstate highway system and I said, you know, there you go. But it would be a huge investment in roads and bridges across the country to get people places faster. I guess. Another goal would be to eliminate, this is one that's been going on in my area recently, eliminate lead service lines and pipes in the U.S. to deliver clean drinking water to almost 10 million Americans in over 400,000 schools and childcare facilities that currently do not have it. It would be the largest investment in clean drinking water and wastewater infrastructure in U.S. history. In Flint, Michigan, the issue was they were using lead pipes. That's part of the issue. In other cities across the country, there are 10 million Americans who still have lead pipes. In the area I live in, they have been digging up pipes under roads all summer long in spring and replacing the lead pipes. Because it has been shown that lead pipes have caused many issues in children, including behavioral problems, learning disabilities, impaired growth, hearing problems, lower IQs, hyperactivity. Quick facts! They're just, they're old, and they're not good for you. So we're trying to get rid of those, trying to get clean water to everyone. Well, the government is. Also, another goal would be to connect every American to reliable high-speed internet, similar to the, this is what the White House said, Similar to the investment the federal government made to provide electricity to all Americans nearly a hundred years ago. hundred years ago, not everyone had electricity. Everyone does now, I think. Well, I don't, I'm not sure. You might go out to the boonies and might see someone without electricity. These are not Sandra's facts. But a hundred years ago, the government decided electricity was not a want, it was a need. And so they made a huge investment to provide electricity to every American. And this administration, the Biden administration, is making that same revelation with internet and broadband. Internet is no longer a want. It is a need for everyone. I mean, the pandemic working from home showed us that what we should have done 10 years ago is provide internet access to every American. And that 
does not just include broadband. There are companies like T-Mobile and Verizon and AT&T, the cellular carriers, who are starting to provide home internet with their towers. How you get internet on your phones, that would go to a box, satellite, I guess, that they put on your home that would transport the internet's access to your router, which, like broadband, your router would go to all the devices in your home with Wi-Fi. There's a bunch of options, and it's it's somewhat reliable, too. It's 5G. We're going to talk about 5G in a second, too, but 5G for your phone, it's just starting to come out. The three, I guess there's three now, three big carriers in the U.S., they're just starting to get 5G out. And if they have, it's not as fast as it could be. Because 5G has the potential to be as fast as fiber, where fiber can get up to a gig or two gigabytes per second, which is extremely fast. 5G has the capability to do that. However, with 5G, to do that, you need to place you know, mini cells, nano cells, I think is what they call them, everywhere. And when I say everywhere, I mean everywhere. Because the internet access travels in millimeter waves. And for 4G LTE, which is what a lot of us use now, the waves are a lot bigger. With 5G, because the speeds are a lot faster, the waves are smaller. And so you might have seen this from like Verizon when they advertise ultra-wideband. They can only do that right now in small areas because they need a ton of these small cells that they need to connect up to the grid to make 5G work. But 5G also can be almost as big as 4G LTE in those waves that we were talking about, the millimeter waves. And that's what companies like T-Mobile, AT&T, are talking about right now doing 5G home internet. So that's another option, but this bill focuses a lot on broadband. And of course, broadband, as we said earlier, is the actual cable and fiber lines that get laid down that go into your house. Those little cable lines, kind of like, well, fiber is basically glass that light travels through but the those lines they get put into your house so those that's physical infrastructure that's a lot what they're talking about and it needs to be especially in rural areas we need options first off because if you only have one option then prices are going to go through the roof and the government really needs to start regulating this like they have the power grid because, you know, a lot of people really only have one option for their power, but the prices aren't crazy high because the government has regulated. The government needs to start regulating internet, broadband, these companies a lot more. Too many facts. Another goal in the plan, though, is to upgrade the power infrastructure in the U.S. by building thousands of miles of new and resilient transmission lines to expand Renewable energy, wind, solar, geothermal, hydro, all those, and include a new grid authority, as we said. A grid authority that would regulate power companies, electricity, in the U.S. 
as we saw in Texas, and as we detailed on this podcast, this is Anders Facts, how Texas 20 years ago basically made their power grid a private company. They privatized it. And how did that work out for them in the winter? It failed miserably. Okay, so this bill would basically in response to that, and because the power grid is somewhat unstable in this country, they would build thousands of miles of new and resilient transmission lines to expand also renewable energy, solar, wind, hydro, geothermal, as I said, because we need a lot more of those. We can't keep using coal and oil and natural gas because those are, first off, non-renewable energies, which, once we use them, do not come back, and because we have been using them for over 100 years, 200 years now, we're almost to the end. That's why West Virginia, because they were so reliant on the coal mines there, that's why it's one of the poorest states in the country now, because all those coal mines have closed, because it's dirty, and they are losing, they barely have any coal left. So, to increase renewable energy would be a good thing. Because a lot of people say, well, what if it's not sunny? Well, that's why you have a battery in place with solar energy, so that when it's not sunny, you store the energy. So when it is sunny, the solar panels connect to a battery that stores the energy for when it's not sunny. When it's not windy. Same thing with the wind turbines. The truth lies here. You know, it would be the largest investment in clean energy transmission in U.S. history. And there's a lot of people, actually, who are getting off the grid. And that's a separate term. But in this case, getting off the grid means placing your own solar panels on your house, putting batteries... Like, Tesla has these power walls, which are batteries, which you can connect your solar panels to. And saying to the power company, see ya. Goodbye. Because when you connect solar panels to your house, those just go into the grid. So the power company's like, oh, thanks, we'll take the solar energy. But when you disconnect it from the grid, and when you push place your own batteries outside of your house, then you're the only one using that solar power energy. And that can be an advantage when there's a power outage and you've still got energy. How about that? As most people probably know, power, your power can go out at any time. Like, it's kind of ridiculous because we have to rely on these power companies. And when, you know, one person drives their car onto a power line, crashes the power line, power goes out for thousands of people. Or when a tree falls down on a power line, you know? So they're going to invest in that. They're probably going to invest in solar panels because that's probably a good thing, wouldn't you say? Another goal is to prepare the infrastructure in the country for climate change, cyber attacks, and extreme weather impacts like hurricanes. When When hurricanes happen, especially in the Gulf Coast and in the Southeast, when these hurricanes happen, people do not have power for days, weeks, months. Yikes! Because of so much destruction. They're going to try to make it resilient to those extreme weather impacts. We'll see. Climate change, of course, and cyber attacks. A couple weeks ago, remember, 
when one of the gas lines, one of the major gas lines in the U.S. was hacked, the Colonial Pipeline. It was really, it was a private company, but it was also really not prepared for getting cyber attacked. And it did. And it drove gas prices through the roof. And they really haven't gone down much here, at least in Virginia, since. So, and there's other issues. It's not the government. Okay. The final goal of the plan would be to create an infrastructure financing authority to leverage billions of dollars into clean energy and transportation, which would make it the largest investment in addressing legacy pollution in U.S. history. What do you say? It would also create good-paying union jobs and advance environmental justice. What does all that mean? Huh. An infrastructure financing authority, which would help regulate and increase clean energy and transportation, and it would be the largest investment in addressing legacy pollution in U.S. history, trying to get rid of what we were talking about, non-renewable resources, which are dirty, coal, oil, natural gas. Natural gas is not as bad as the others, but it's still not what we want. And increasing solar wind. We've got a ton of room on this planet to put solar panels. Okay? We can do it. We just need the money and the time and the resources and the labor. And this bill is going to help the U.S. with all those things. That's a fact! How exactly is the bill going to get paid? So this was actually a, it well, it was a huge issue. For Republicans in the bipartisan negotiations, they did not want to undo any of the tax cuts that were made in 2017 that, of course, cut taxes for the top earners in the U.S., gave the bottom, middle class, lower class, nothing. And Democrats did not want to raise the gas tax, which Republicans were talking about, because the president has promised to not raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. And under this plan, that would stay, that promise would stay intact. So how's it going to get paid? So in that fact sheet, the White House actually offers several ways that the, that the plan is going to get paid for. Big fact incoming! It says most of the plan is actually going to be paid for with unused COVID relief funds from the COVID relief bill, unused unemployment insurance, and sales from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves petroleum oil gas you know but it also says that it could that this could be paid for with 5g spectrum auctions the proceeds from those because for these companies at&t verizon t-mobile for those companies to build out their 5g network they need to buy the spectrum from the federal government and so they'll buy spectrum from the government like they have been doing for years and years and years but this is 5g spectrum now Government's saying we can use the proceeds from that to pay for this bill. It also says that reducing the IRS tax gap, allowing states to sell or purchase unused toll credits for infrastructure, and allowing states and localities themselves to invest in broadband infrastructure would also help pay for the bill. Quick facts! I did say there was another part of all this earlier, and that was human infrastructure. So this bill that I just talked about, the bipartisan bill, focuses on physical infrastructure. However, the president's proposal, first off, came with human infrastructure. What is human infrastructure? Child care, family tax credits. That was included in the first proposal. It's not included in this bipartisan bill. So instead, 
Democrats are proposing a reconciliation bill. Remember that word? Because we used it earlier on this podcast. On human infrastructure that has actually nearly derailed the bipartisan infrastructure bill because the president said he would not sign the bipartisan infrastructure bill if the reconciliation bill did not come through. And the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, also said that the House is not going to vote on the bipartisan bill unless the reconciliation bill passes the Senate. And many progressives, including uh, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, said that they're not going to vote for the bipartisan deal without the reconciliation bill. And Republicans were kind of worried because when the president said that because they thought it was a veto threat. No, no, not! The president walked that back, said he's not. A lot of Republicans have said, okay, we're back on board. But what exactly would be in this reconciliation bill and how much would it cost? So we don't know the exact details right now. However, it has the potential to be the largest bill yet for the Biden administration. According to the BBC, this would be a new spending package that would encompass climate change, education, paid leave, and childcare benefits. And it could cost up to, roughly, $6 trillion. Whoa. Which is three times as much of the COVID relief bill, and it's six times the amount of the infrastructure bill. So the package to pay for it would most likely include what... Elizabeth Warren, senator from Massachusetts, has proposed increasing taxes on the wealthy as well as corporations. That's be the big part. And it would be passed through the reconciliation process, so it wouldn't need any Republicans, but it would need all Democrats. So we'll see Mansion. I don't know. Why would you do this to me? So where are we at all right now? Because this is going to take some time. It's going to take a couple more months to get this through because it only looks like it's the next step in a process that could drag on for a while. First, we need 10 Republicans to stay on board to get the bipartisan deal passed without going through reconciliation in the Senate. It could do simple majority in the House. And it would and we would also need to get the reconciliation bill passed in order for progressives in the House and the Senate to vote for the bipartisan deal. So we need all that to go together. It's going to take a while because they're going to have to negotiate what's exactly going to be in the reconciliation bill because we don't know that yet. We just said maybe climate change, maybe education, paid leave, childcare benefits. Maybe it's going to cost $6 trillion. We don't know. Who? And plus, that's going to be a lot of the budget too. So we'll see with the reconciliation bill. It's going to take a while, but we finally know what's in this infrastructure bill, and it includes a lot. It doesn't include as much money on electric vehicles as what the president proposed first off, but it does include a lot of money on it. $7.5 billion for charging stations and then for transit. So hopefully this will all increase the charging station network and electric vehicles in the U.S. because as we know, that is the future. We can't keep relying on gas because it's going to destroy the environment. Yep. And we're going to run out of it, and then no one's going to be able to go anywhere unless we invest in electric vehicles. We have got to do that. So that's all I've got on infrastructure and politics. Thanks, goodness, that's over. So just before we leave here, NBA action, it's conference finals week. We talked about it last week with Hillbilly. The Suns are playing the Clippers. Clippers won on Monday night. And they play again Wednesday. But the Suns still lead 3-2. to two. That's game 6. That's going to be on Wednesday. But we'll see. The Clippers don't have Kawhi Leonard still. And the Suns are 
fully loaded. They got Chris Paul back, and they still lost that game because Playoff P. Who? Playoff P. Paul George. We'll see. I'm sticking with my son's prediction, but we'll see because it's only 3-2. to two. So if the Suns win another game, it's over, and the Clippers have to win the next two. But the way they're playing, and since they just won in Phoenix, they could. I don't think so, though. And then, in the East, it's the Hawks and the Bucks. It's a tied-up series, y'all. Because the Hawks tied the series Tuesday night. It's 2-2. Two to two. Going back to Milwaukee. I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with my Bucks prediction. But, kind of getting worried. So, uh, we'll see. Sanders facts. Bucks, Suns, in the finals. That's all I'm going to say. Book it. Sanders facts? And with that, that is a wrap on what we've all got this week on the Zaders Facts Podcast. Remember, thank you all for listening. Next week, I don't know what we're going to do. we got the finals in the NBA starting next week. We'll probably talk about that, episode 23. But remember, if you like the podcast, if you like the facts on the infrastructure bill, then remember to click the follow button, download, rate, and review. Follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And most importantly, spread the facts. Xander's facts. Do whatever you can. If you're on a roller coaster right now with some stranger, just take out your headphones, you know, talk to them and say, hey, I'm listening to the Xander's Facts podcast. You should too. And then shove the headphone in there. Well, don't do that. But just still, spread the facts. That is it. Episode 22 of the Xander's Facts podcast is in the books. And we'll see y'all next week. Spreading lies.